0: I love the Macy's Mother's Day gift guide. I use it. It has the
1: perfect gift to make all moms feel special. You can shop by price. You can shop by category. They have gift lists. You know, they have a list for the mom who has everything, one for grandma. And you can get top gifts like Coach Floral Printed
0: Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag. I love a crossbody bag. Or the thing that my mom loved more
1: than anything, the La Crusette Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at macy's.com slash gift
0: finder. If you love tequila cocktails, then
1: check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a one-of-a-kind tequila that is infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's Smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible. 21 Seeds makes the
0: most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game
1: night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com.
0: Enjoy responsibly 21 Seeds, Diageo, New York, New York.
1: Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we
0: will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who
1: were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. Hello, everybody. And Angela, can I get a good morning? Yeah, you can.
0: Good morning, Jenna. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Cassie. Good morning to you out there who's just starting your day and you're listening to us in your car. Or good evening to my night owls who are listening maybe
1: by the fire, maybe with a glass of wine. I don't know. That was a beautiful picture that you just painted. (laughs) Lady, guess what I did this morning? What? Something new. I've never done it before.
0: Exercise. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm so tickled by that. I took a contrast shower. I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was. Is it a cold shower? It is an alternating hot and cold shower. Why would you do that? Okay, because it's supposed to have a bunch of health benefits. And you know me, I'll try anything. You
0: could have gotten that shower at my grandparents' house in their guest bathroom.
1: (laughs) Does it just automatically alternate for you? (laughs) It used to. It's like, like, oh, wait, wait, who just started the dishwasher? (laughs) Don't shower. Oh, that's true at our house. Don't do a load of laundry before Uh you get in the shower.
0: Or you could have a contrast shower.
1: Well, here's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to improve blood flow, Mm -hmm. reduce systemic inflammation. It supports a connection between the brain and digestive system, but it's also just supposed to like energize you and kind of boost your immune system. I don't know. It's supposed to be beneficial. And it's sort of based on a thing that athletes do, you know, where they do a cold plunge Uh and a hot shower and things. Right. Right. Oh my gosh, I wonder if Tom Brady does contrast showers. Tom Brady does it all. That's what I mean. I'm telling you, he He does it all. I should Google that. Do you think that's on the internet? His water drinking is on the internet? Okay. I bet it is. Okay. Well, listen, I did it this morning. You know what?
0: Google Tom Brady shower. <laughs> oh, no. Don't Google that. And see, and see what you get. Oh. Okay. Well. My husband's going to be like, why are you what, Googling? What is this search? They've given up on our search history. That's true. Wait, wait. Do you feel energized?
1: I kind of do. Okay. I do. I definitely felt energized when the freezing cold water hit my body after being in warm water. This would just be called grumpy shower in my house. I... Had to sort of sing it out during the cold part. Like when the cold water hit me, I was like, and it's cold. Yes, it's cold. You turned into like a ye olde musical. I act. did. And my kids were like, what is mom doing today? Anyway, <laughs> there you go. That's what I did today, this um, morning. Did you do anything special or new or different, Ange? I did like 15 push ups. This morning? Yeah. Before we got here. Yeah. Do you remember John Krasinski used to do that? What? Yes, in the mornings, he would get to work, and before hair and makeup, he would do a bunch of push-ups and a bunch of sit-ups. Oh, my God. I to was, energize I, himself I, for the morning. You don't remember that? No. I was always so impressed, and I was inspired, and I thought, oh, I should do that. I tried it one morning, and I was like, I'm not doing that again. Well, I didn't do it either. I was
0: lying. <laughs> I, was oh. doing, I was doing a joke, but geez, John. Wow. I know.
1: Shall we get into this episode? Let's do it. This episode today is Cafe Disco. It is Season 5, Episode 27, written by Warren Lieberstein and Halstead Sullivan and directed by Randall Einhorn. Would you like a summary? Yes. Concerned about the serious mood of his employees and just the general drab work environment at Dunder Mifflin since Charles Minor left, Michael has decided to transform the former Michael Scott Paper Company into a cafe disco. For socializing, dancing, and sipping espresso. Now, initially, nobody is interested, but it does slowly take off and ends up exceeding Michael's expectations. Meanwhile, Pam and Jim plan to secretly elope to Youngstown, Ohio, and Dwight tries to help Phyllis with an injury. It's a lot. That's a lot happening. That's a lot. And yet, it's a pretty simple episode, really. Mm-hmm. Fast fact number one was a fan question from Becca D. What was the inspiration for this episode? We reached out to writers, Warren Lieberstein and Halstead Sullivan.
0: Yes, Warren and Halstead were a fantastic writing team. I knew them for a long time from our days at the Groundlings. And some of you guys listening to this know, and some don't, but Warren and I used to be married and we're good friends. And it was really fun to reminisce with both of them about this episode.
1: Well, here's what he said about the inspiration for this episode, which I thought was amazing. He said that he and Halstead were pretty new writers at the time. They joined in this season, and they were tasked with coming up with an episode idea for what Michael Scott could do with this space that was formerly the Michael Scott Paper Company. He said that they were working in the writer's trailer with Brent Forrester, and the three of them were kind of pitching ideas like, oh, what if it's a cafe? What if it's a disco? And they couldn't really decide. He said for some reason that day, Paul Lieberstein was also working in the writer's trailer. Mm -hmm. He was working out of BJ Novak's office that was sort of off of this like communal area where. So
0: he could hear them going back and forth.
1: Yes, exactly. And Warren said that Paul just suddenly came out of the office and said, It's a cafe and a disco. Michael Scott loves two things more than anything coffee and dancing. It's a cafe disco. And then he turned around, went back into BJ's office and shut the door. And Warren said he remembers Brent turning to them and saying, well, you heard him. And then the three of them just started outlining what is a cafe disco to Michael Scott. It feels very much like something your dad would do, you know,
0: like he'd come out as you're arguing, and be like, it's both. Just do it.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, it is more interesting being both, isn't it? And it's more Michael Scott that it would be a strange hybrid of two things.
0: Yes. Halstead had some really great stuff to share as well. And he told us that they won an NAACP Image Award for Best Writing for a Comedy Series for this episode.
1: This episode is really popular. When I told people that we were breaking down Cafe Disco and when we were trading emails with Randy Cordray about this one— he was like, I love this episode. I love the simplicity of it. It's just so beautiful.
0: Yeah. Well, Halstead also said, Ange, guess what? There is a bakery in Oklahoma named Cafe Disco because they loved this episode so much. You can find them at cafe-disco.com. He said, have you ever heard of that? Have any of the other episodes had a bakery <laughs> named after them?
1: No, we've just heard of Shoe La but I think they existed before Michael's Shoe La La. That's true. Fast fact number two, we shot this episode in four days instead of five. How did we do that? Randy shared that because all the work was so contained in that one tiny location of the Cafe Disco, there weren't like a ton of different ways to cover it with the camera. So we were able to kind of get it pretty quickly. So they would basically, rather than having
0: some giant master shot and all these close-ups, they just... They just covered it. Covered it.
1: He said it was kind of important that we do this in four days because this episode filmed the week right before Easter. And we were already meant to have Good Friday off for Easter weekend. And if we hadn't finished, we would have had to come back the Monday after Easter and pick up our fifth day. But that would have really thrown off our 100th episode, Company Picnic, which was happening the next week. Which
0: was a huge company move. That would have been...
1: Yeah. That would have been really hard. Yeah. That's what she said. So that leads me into fast fact number three. While there were no locations for this episode, no expensive stunts or props, there was a lot of music. And to get the rights to all the music that was in this episode was a very complicated thing to pull off. Randy shared that there are two kinds of music rights. There are sync rights, which is where you're going to play a song by the original artist, and that's all. You're just going to hear their song. Okay. But then there are master rights, and that's what you need if a character is going to sing or hum a song. Sort of do their interpretation. Yes. Of the artist. And Randy said that they wanted us to be able to sing along or hum along as we were dancing, and so we had to get both sync and master rights to every single song. There was only one song that appeared in the script. If you read the script, different scenes will say music is playing. Right. Aaron presses play, but it doesn't say what song comes out except for one time in the script. What'd it say? The one song that appears in the script is Everybody Dance Now. And it's the song where Michael is playing it through the vents Mm -hmm. to get everybody to come down. And that song cost $40,000. Wow. And so Randy had our post-production supervisor, Jake Oust, reach out to Universal Music, you know, because our show was made by NBC Universal, Right. And see if they could get a list of songs that we could license for either free or for not that much money. And then he gave that list to Warren and Halstead And he said, what do you think? So Warren and Halstead made a list of like their dream music list. Right. And then next to it, they would put a free alternative. (sighs) And Randy sent this list over. It was really fascinating to look at. I'll just give one example. You know that opening scene when Michael's kind of dancing alone? Yeah. Their first choice was Disturbia by Rihanna. Okay. Their free alternative, which appears in the show, is Car Wash. All right. For the most part, we had to go with their free alternative. I was going, to say, time. I was going to say, I'm sure. <laughs> the ultimate music budget for this episode was $85,200. Wow. Most of that money paid for Everybody Dance Now and YMCA. But Randy said that another perk of not having that fifth shoot day was that they were able to allocate some of that shoot day's budget to music. That makes sense. And that's how we were able to pull it off. But, I mean, that is all Randy's job. He's just like a spreadsheet, and he has to move things around. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, and make it all happen.
0: Well, m'lady, those were some great
1: fast facts. Thank you. Did you feel like they came from a person who had improved blood flow or maybe had a connection between their brain and digestive system?
0: A hundred percent I did. Thank you.
1: A hundred percent. I felt like that too.
0: That's why I gave you the ma lady and not just lady. Oh. Yeah.
1: Now we know. You got
0: a special one. Well, I think we should take a break and when we get back, someone has won an art contest and it's not Pam. I know. <laughs> Snark.
1: <laughs> so this winter
0: stressors. Some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us.
1: Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down.
0: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your
1: schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's
0: BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash OfficeLadies.
1: When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up. Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe Home Security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the US News and World Report. And Newsweek ranked it best customer service in home security. Well, you all have heard me talk about
0: Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need. To fit your living space, you know, I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get twenty percent off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe. slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: We are back, and before we dive into this episode, we have an exciting announcement. We do! Office Ladies was nominated once again for the iHeartRadio Podcast of the Year Award. We are so stinking excited. This (laughs) award is based
0: on votes from the public. That's you guys. It means so much to us. We won last year thanks to you. And you know, I'm not going to lie, I'd really like to win again. Lady? Yeah?
1: Yeah? I want back-to-back wins. (gasps) I do, too. I want bookends. Bookends. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I'm going to put my books in the middle of my awards. Oh, my gosh. All right, so here's the
0: deal. The voting is open now. Basically, you vote using Twitter, okay? You just have to tweet with three hashtags. Hashtag podcast of the year. Hashtag iHeartPodcast Awards. Hashtag office ladies. Yes, that's the most important one. Yes, and we'll put the instructions, you know, in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. And you can find more information at iHeartPodcastAwards.com. I want to win so much. I know.
1: Is it tacky to say that? It's my truth. I don't think it's tacky. I just, I love making the podcast so much. I do, too. So I want to win an award for something I love doing. I know. And you know what? You don't want it to be an award that
0: I make you, because I did try to make you a lady. I know.
1: It was a good effort. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. (laughs) You know what? You take one of your daughter's old Barbies Mm -hmm. and a hot glue gun Mm -hmm. and a little piece of wood you found. (laughs) Maybe it looks like an award. Maybe it looks like a cry for help.
1: (laughs) Okay. Should we get into this episode? Let's do it. How does it start?
0: Well, we are in the Dunder Mifflin bullpen when Erin, the new receptionist, squeals that she's won an art contest.
1: Hmm. Pam is not amused. Jenna was not amused. I had for totally forgotten this cold open, and I was like, "Oh my God!" Dwight is such
0: an ass in this cold open. He really is, and he's so tickled. He's so pleased with himself. I do want to point out while Pam is exchanging looks with Dwight in their desk pod. Pam's plant is on her desk, as well as the little candy dispenser with jelly beans.
1: Lady, we got an email from Audrey L, who also noticed Pam's little candy dish. Mm-hmm. Audrey also mentioned that she really liked my hair in this scene. She thought it was super cute. Did you notice my hair? Yes, it's one of those ponytails where you do a ponytail, mm-hmm. and then you—how do we explain it? Then you flip it you through flip it itself, through, like a French. Oh my gosh, I 100% did my hair that way for one of my school dances. Mm. Like back in the day. Do people still do that hairstyle?
0: I don't know if they still do the hairstyle, Jenna, but it's clear to me we were meant to be best friends because I once went to a high school dance with a side ponytail. Mm. And that was my choice. (laughs) I styled it like that on purpose.
1: Well, we often did ponytails when there was a standalone cold open, it was a way to differentiate. Pam's look and hair from the actual episode so something if you feel like it you could track it and see when Pam has ponytails it's usually the cold open
0: we did a lot of that with Angela Martin too just something different it wasn't always a ponytail but just something a little different for a cold open
1: I remember Angela early in the series you did a lot of buns and then they started to give you headaches horrible headaches guys but then I remember you were like, you know what? I'll do a bun for the cold open. Yeah. You didn't want to like get rid of this hairstyle for Angela completely because it had been so established. But if you did a bun for a cold open, you only had to wear it for like four hours.
0: Exactly. Or one full day, maybe.
1: Yes, but not five days.
0: Not all five day. days for 12 hours.
1: I guess I just have one more question about this, which is, did you ever wear a bun to a school dance? No. No.
0: No, but I did wear an updo the year we won the SAG award and I was super pregnant. I had an updo. I liked that on you. That looked nice. Thank you. Yeah. I was just so pregnant. I just was like, <laughs> do I have to get in an evening gown? <laughs> oh. But no, no buns at high school dances.
1: I don't think I did either. It's a bold choice. It in, is. In high school. True. Well, this episode starts with Michael dancing by himself to Car Wash in what was Michael Scott Paper Company. All I could
0: think about when I was watching him in there dancing was, look at all the stuff Phil Shea had to get. Mm Mm-hmm. He had to get an espresso maker, then the little espresso coffee cups and saucers, napkins, espresso coffee, the boombox, a lava lamp, a little desk lamp, a lay, all kinds of coffee accessories, an empty cheese puff container mm Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. couple of chairs, and then eventually he'd have to get a tiny disco ball and some kind of the, I don't know, were they red chili pepper lights? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Phil Shea, once again, simple episode, but he had all these little things he had to get. A lot of details.
1: Yeah. Michael comes up to the office now, and he would like to have lunch with someone.
0: Yeah, he really loved lunches at Michael Scott Paper Company.
1: <sighs> you know, I have to say... Why did the camaraderie between Pam, Michael, and Ryan have to end? I was loving it. Now it seems like, you know, their relationship is just kind of back where it started.
0: I think that happens sometimes.
1: I guess it does. They've sort of returned to their old roles, Mm -hmm. their routines.
0: Well, then Michael has this kind of depressing talking head where he says, At Dunder Mifflin, there is a very strict no-lunch-with-the-boss policy, and I don't know who instituted it. That broke my heart. I know.
1: You know, Ryan says he can't have lunch with Michael because he's doing five small meals a day. That was a really popular thing. Have you ever done that?
0: I think that's just how I naturally eat.
1: I thought of you when he said that. That is not how I naturally eat. I just sort of snack all day. Here's what I need to get through a day. I need three full meals. I also need a snack, and I'm going to need a dessert. I forget
0: to eat until about noon and then I'm crazy hungry and then I don't understand
1: forgetting to eat. I don't I, I, <laughs> I wake up and the first thing I think of is when am I eating? It's like constantly on my mind. I'm already thinking about the yogurt that I brought for our snack the next time we take a break (laughs) on the podcast. I'm like so food-centered.
0: Well, no one wants to have lunch with Michael. They say they have a lot of work to do. Michael starts doing his robot. Pam has to take the battery out, or he'll just keep going, I guess. During this scene at three minutes, three seconds, there is a shot of my outfit. I have to point it out. I noticed it. I'm wearing a gray cardigan, a gray blouse, a gray skirt, and Jenna, I'm wearing gray tights. I am wearing something on my legs. I never wore anything on my legs. I don't know why in this episode, but I do.
1: I wonder if it was really cold because we were shooting this in what sounds like March, early April, if it was around Easter. And that is cold in LA. Mm -hmm. That's like our cold stretch.
0: I know. I just got excited, guys, because I would never wear the pantyhose they put in my trailer. I was anti-pantyhose. Also. Maybe did you notice my shoes? I'm going to bring them
1: up later. I didn't. Okay. But you're going to make me wait. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) At 3 minutes, 10 seconds, Erin finds a map of Youngstown, Ohio in the printer. And she brings it to Dwight. And he says, this is a map to the Superior Court. And the only reason to go there is if you've been charged with a crime or if you want to try to get a learner's permit at 14 and a half. But this scene starts with Aaron saying, hi, guys, how you doing? And then Dwight is like, Aaron, how many times do I have to tell you? It's not necessary for you to ask us how we are every time you interact with us. We got a fan question from Lloyd C. in Australia, who said, I recall in a previous podcast, it was mentioned that Rain Wilson made a big announcement about not needing to ask how his weekend was at the start of each week. (laughs) He said, just assume it was good. Is this bit at Rain's desk between Dwight and Aaron maybe based on Rain's weekend question rule? (laughs) I don't know, but I will tell you the minute I saw that, it was the first thing I thought of. (laughs) Same, same here. I was like, that just feels like Rain. Yes, yes. We also had a fan catch from Samantha R. who said, That Dwight mentions one of the reasons you would go to the courthouse is to obtain a learner's permit at age 14 and a half instead of 15. However, you have to be 16 to obtain a learner's permit. This has always stood out to me. And then Hannah W. said, I'm from Ohio and the minimum age for a learner's permit is 15 and a half. Well, I had to know. Okay. Here's the deal. You must be 15 and a half to obtain a learner's permit to drive a car. However, you can get a learner's permit for a motorized bicycle at the age of 14.
0: All right. That's next year for Isabel and Jack. And I cannot imagine those two, my kids, with anything motorized. Well, I don't want them on anything that moves faster than a bicycle. If you
1: were in Youngstown, Ohio, they could get a learner's permit. Oh,
0: my gosh. Dwight had a really funny deleted talking head here. Oh, I can't wait. Wait. I'm going to read it to you. It cracked me up. Very sarcastically, Dwight says, Oh no, I love Ohio. Next time you're there, say hi to my cousin Emil and then kick him in the groin area because he's a cheat and a ball hog. And if he's still married to Clarissa, kick her in the groin area too because she's a heartbreaking tart and a ball hog. <laughs> oh my-
1: Gosh,
0: what were they playing? They play like basketball and Clarissa and Emile
1: like hog the ball. What is happening in Ohio? Dwight's family is a mystery (laughs) and very complex. (laughs) Who knew he had relatives in Ohio? And
0: also, apparently from this talking head, if Dwight were in Ohio and saw Clarissa and Emile, he would kick them in the groin area. Both of them. Incidentally,
1: I am currently reading a book about Akron, Ohio. Okay. It's by this amazing writer, this guy, David Giffels. He lives in Ohio, and he and his wife decided to put a lowball offer on this, like, broken down house mansion. Like, literally, when he describes it, there's, like, sunshine coming through this thing. Right, right, Thing, It's like the money pit. 100% the money pit. And the book is just a memoir of them fixing it up absolutely by themselves while they lived in it. I don't know. It's just this amazing book, and I'm loving it. I had thought of it for my dad, who's a big like DIY fixer yeah, person. Yeah. I gave it to him for his birthday, and he loved it. So I like Ohio, at least through the eyes of this book, for sure.
0: Are you and I going to get a fixer-upper in Ohio? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I bought a fixer-upper in LA and spent a year. And so maybe that's also why I'm yeah. relating to it. But yeah. Same.
0: You and I love a home project, man. I got a fixer-upper, too, and I'm still fixing it up.
1: Pam and Jim are going to have this talking head where they say there are other reasons to go to Ohio. And the reason they're going is because they're getting married, and it's the closest place that they can get a marriage license without the three-day waiting period. This talking head is so cute. I mean, my gosh, we are so cutie pie in this. Jim and Pam at peak cuteness. Yes. They just feel like, you know, the wedding planning, it's getting really complicated. It's getting really expensive. And Jim said at breakfast, I want to marry you today. So they're going to go for it.
0: It's so sweet. It's very much young love to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I also remember in wedding planning having that moment where you get overwhelmed and you're like, why are we doing this? I know. So I could relate as well. I mean, Josh and
0: I... We went to the courthouse in Santa Barbara a month before our wedding, and we are like, just get married.
1: Let's just take that off the plate, you know? (laughs) Then I guess the wedding is more of a celebration. Exactly. You can separate those two moments. Yeah, we did that. I loved it. We had a fan catch about this bit of info about Youngstown, Ohio as well. Carrie C. wrote in and said, I've lived in Youngstown, Ohio all my life. I got married in Youngstown and you cannot get a marriage license the same day here. It takes 10 to 14 working days, but I do love the Youngstown reference.
0: You can get a same day marriage license in Las Vegas.
1: Well, Mary L. wrote in to say that there is no waiting period, that it's true. And then Andrea V. said, I did a little deep dive and there is no superior court in Youngstown, Ohio. So a lot of mail About these Youngstown, Ohio... Details. Yes. So here I'm going to clear it up for everybody. Andrea is right. There is no superior court. Okay. But there is the Youngstown Municipal Court. Okay. And as far as marriage licenses go, I went to the city applications, frequently asked questions. And it says that while there is a Youngstown Municipal Court, that's not where you go for your marriage license anyway. No. You need to apply for a marriage license at the Mahoning County Probate Court. And even if you're out of state, you can get a marriage license there as long as you have your wedding ceremony in Mahoning County. You need to be 18 years old. You're gonna need your social security card, two forms of identification. You're gonna have to state your place of birth, your parents' names, no blood test, and it costs $43 cash. 43. Cash. Cash. No Venmo. Not PayPal. A cor- nope. Nope. Cash only. N- not in Mahoning. Nope. How long is your marriage license valid in Youngstown, Ohio? Are you asking me? The website asked. Oh. And answered. It is valid for 60 days. And here it is. There is no waiting period before you can use your marriage license in Mahoning County. There it is. There it is.
0: Everything you ever needed to know about getting a marriage license in Ohio, specifically Mahoning County. Correct. During all of this Ohio conversation, Michael is on a dance break, guys, and Aaron is going to bring him some messages. And he's like, no, 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 no work here. They have espresso. They come upstairs and Michael decides to tell the group about the downstairs room.
1: Yeah, He and Aaron entered, they both have their little espresso cups. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I just noticed that you say it the way I used to say it. Oh, I put an X in it. You say espresso. I know, it's espresso. But a lot of people say espresso. I know. And I think it's okay. I think we should let it go. It's espresso. 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 We had a fan catch from Hannah C. who says, in this episode, Aaron drinks an espresso, but in Season 9, Episode 11... The Office gets an espresso machine, and Erin says she's never had one before. Oh, good catch. I thought that was good. Yeah. Michael's going to give a big speech now.
0: He is, and I absolutely love this runner. To me, this is classic The Office bullpen back and forth, where Mm -hmm. everyone is chiming in. Where it really gets funny to me is when Dwight does his Jack Nicholson (laughs) impression, which I thought Rain did a really good job. I thought so, too. And this takes us down this road where Meredith is like, wait, it's a haunted coffee house. Michael's like, no, no, Dwight's confusing you. It's more of a disco. And then Andy says, a haunted disco. Michael's like, with coffee, but without the haunted. And then Phyllis is like, it's a combo dance house coffee bar. And Michael says, it's a daytime disco on the ground floor of an industrial office building. And Aaron goes, it's a cafe disco. Michael's like, exactly. Exactly. And then Kevin says, so like a disco cafe? And Michael's like, no, not even close. (laughs) These were my favorite kind of scenes to shoot. And immediately after this scene, there would have been a Stanley talking head where he says this. How did I end up back in crazy town? (laughs) And then immediately after that would have been an Oscar talking head. And Oscar said this. It still seems really confusing as a concept.
1: That would be Oscar's like take on it. He's very practical and literal. Right. Like what what
0: is your business plan? This seems confusing. Then Michael tries to entice everyone to come. He offers them all the espresso you can eat.
1: Ooh, well done, Angela. Thank
0: you. And this is when this awesome runner would have started that I'm calling Kevin's Bacon Runner.
1: (laughs) A Kevin, Kevin Bacon Runner? A
0: Kevin Bacon Runner. It's in deleted scenes. Kevin sees Lynn at the elevators. And they have this exchange.
1: Hi, Kevin. Hey, Lynn. Did you have bacon for breakfast? No. Because oh. you smell like bacon.
0: I didn't think I did. How's everything going?
1: Tight. Uh, I'm going down the hall to this office to see Michael. There's three espressos. Oh. I would invite you, but I remember that you just want to be friends. We can still... Are you sure that you didn't eat bacon? Yes. Hmm. Whatever it is, I like it.
0: Okay, (laughs) so then he walks away and Lynn has a talking head. Did she eat bacon? You gotta hear it. Yes, I had some bacon this morning. (laughs) I just didn't think it was anyone's business. (laughs) isn't that funny but wait it gets better kevin just can't get lynn and the bacon smell off his mind and he asks her out
1: i love the smell of bacon on a woman hey lynn it's kevin i was thinking about going and getting a coffee at the the cafe disco wondering if you want to go with (laughs) wow
0: Yes. So later when you see them slow dancing and then when they have a full on makeout, it all started with this bacon scene (laughs) by the elevators. That
1: was amazing. What a find. I know. I so enjoyed it. Well, when Michael is kind of describing his inspiration for this disco and how it's going to bring people together and it's going to make people happy and kind of break them out of their funk, I have to say that he is right on about disco. Yeah. In general. I was reading a bunch about disco and listening to disco music when I was prepping this episode. This is very you. I
0: know. This, this is is like the sounds of Scranton. It is. It really is.
1: And here is what I found out. And I pulled a couple of quotes because I loved them. So, disco in general was just a very inclusive and accepting culture. It was very communal. It was more than just music. It really was a cultural movement. And there's this book called Turn the Beat Around by author Peter Shapiro, and he called disco, quote, "the embodiment of the vision of peace that the 60s yearned for." An article in timeline.com went on to say Disco was created by black and latino musicians in the early 70s and popularized by mostly gay DJs for a mostly gay crowd celebrating new freedoms earned by the gay rights movement. And finally, now Rogers, the guitarist for the hit disco band Chic, said, "This was the world I wanted to live in where everybody was cool with everyone. That was because of the music." That was disco. That was
0: disco. I mean, I'm a kid of the 70s, you know. My mom and her friends were so excited because they got to go see Donna Summer in concert. Queen of
1: disco. The
0: queen of disco. My mom said it was a phenomenal show. How
1: cool that your mom got to see her perform live. I
0: know. I would have loved to have gone with my mom. I was too little because I love disco. But Angela Martin, of course, is not a fan of Michael pulling everyone off of work and taking them down to his disco cafe. Cafe disco. His cafe disco. (laughs) And you'll see that Kevin is there very messily making his espresso. And it's because he's waiting for Lynn. Had you seen all of that deleted runner, you would know he's hoping Lynn will show up. In fact, in the shooting draft, the scene is more extended. And Kevin tells Michael he's waiting for Lynn. Wow. Before Angela enters. And this scene, when I enter, I could barely get through, Jenna. I think you can tell I'm breaking if you watch it, because whenever Steve as Michael offers Kevin the fake cookie in yes, his hand, yes. I literally, I start smiling when I
1: talk because I'm having such a hard time not laughing. It's so absurd and wonderful. And a lot of that is Brian Baumgartner's performance. Yes. His like immediate belief that there's a cookie in a hand (laughs) that clearly didn't have a cookie one second ago.
0: Yes. Well, the three of us improvised the whole last couplet of dialogue. No way. Yes. So in the script, I mean, the script was phenomenal. But as we started doing it, Steve, as Michael, just kept messing with Kevin. He kept showing him the cookie, but then pulling it a little out of reach. So Kevin had to walk further into the room. (laughs) And that was just stuff we were making up on the day. Well, in the script, it was just a little cleaner of an ending, right? It was a little simpler. It was like, Michael said, Kevin, stay. Angela said, Kevin, come. And then Michael's like, Kevin, cookie. And then Kevin's like, what? There's a cookie? And then I drag him away. We just had so much fun with this fake cookie. We just improvised this little couplet at the end where Kevin's like, wait, is there a cookie? And Michael's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah. No, for goodness sakes, Kevin, there's no cookie. There's no cookie. Come on. And I kind of like show him I'm trying to pry <laughs> yes, Michael's hand. Yes. And Kevin's like, "I wanted a cookie." And then I look back at Michael and I'm like, "Completely unacceptable." It was so fun. We had a blast. And somewhere out there there's just footage of me laughing every time Kevin looks at Michael's hand and is like, "What is there a cookie?" <laughs>
1: it's so good. Well, now Michael is alone. He really wants people to come. So he is going to blast music. Through the vent. Yes. And people up in the bullpen can hear it. And everyone kind of starts, you know, moving and grooving a little bit. So much so that Phyllis decides she's going to go. Yeah, she says to heck with it. But first she's going to stop by Vance Refrigeration to invite Bob, where she runs into Bob's younger yet sort of look-alike secretary.
0: This is how this character was described in the script. As Phyllis walks in, Bob's busty secretary, Jessica, is coming out of Bob's office and closing the door behind her. She wears a low-cut top. Phyllis looks her up and down.
1: Oh, wow. So it doesn't mention that she's meant to sort of be this younger version of Phyllis. Because Not- they dressed her just like Phyllis dresses. I know, I know. And I felt like even like their little noses were similar and everything. Their
0: hairstyles. Yes.
1: She's clearly like
0: what Phyllis would think Bob would want in a younger woman.
1: Yes. Which I thought was such a great casting choice. The woman who played Jessica was Alyssa Preston. And according to her IMDb... This job was her first television credit. Oh, she did so great! Do you remember your first television job?
0: Oh, God, I do. I think it was horrible. What was it? Oh, my very first line on a television show was a TV show called Step by Step. The big stars were Suzanne Somers and Patrick Duffy.
1: Was it a three camera show? It was a multi
0: camera show. In the episode, they think their daughter has run off to elope, and I was cast because I was the same height and same hair color as the young girl playing their daughter. Mm-hmm. And they burst into this wedding chapel, like in Vegas or somewhere. They burst in and I'm up there saying my vows. So Suzanne Somers whips me around at the altar and she goes, you're not Dana. And I say, no, I'm Simone. And thanks for ruining the best day of my life.
1: Wow.
0: It's <laughs> like crazy that I remember that. And I auditioned for it, and it wasn't for like two months later that I shot it. And I said to the director that day, I said, how do you want me to do it? And he said, just like you did in the audition. I couldn't remember how I did it in the audition. Oh, no. And then when I did it, they were like, can you tone it down? Because I guess I was like,
1: (laughs) but thanks for ruining the best day of my life. Well, that's the worst. When you have one or two lines on a show. And there's no like entrance ramp to your performance. You just have to deliver this one line exactly right and you're on this new set with new people and there's all this just adrenaline running through and you. And
0: Suzanne Summers, hi. I've, I've watched her my whole childhood whips me around. And while I was waiting to do my scene after the director gave me that note in rehearsals, I literally was in the wings going, thanks for ruining the best day of my life. Thanks for ruining the best day of my life. Thank you for ruining <laughs> the best day.
1: That's the other problem when you have one line. You way overanalyze it Oh, so much. I was horrible. Well, Alyssa Preston was amazing. She was. Her first TV job. She has gone on to work steadily in television and film. She was in Grey's Anatomy, Modern Family, Jane the Virgin, the movie Horrible Bosses 2, No Monk, No Law and Order. Comedy. She's a comedy gal. Comedy gal. Back to the story at hand, Phyllis has decided to go down and start dancing with Michael while she waits for Bob to join her.
0: Yeah, and she's really getting into it. So much so, she does kind of this pony move Mm -hmm. and throws out her back. That gasping, um, sort of bleeped mother effort (laughs) that she says is not in the shooting draft. Really? Yeah. It says that she lets out a yell, you know, but I think that they had fun with that on the day.
1: Can I just say that Phyllis is very good at fake injury? I so believed it. I was worried for her. I know. I mean, she gets her, like, whole face to turn red and stuff. And, like, everything she does as a person with a back injury was so right on for me. She's great at physical comedy. I've got a side story. What? I know we just had one. Uh Uh-oh. I threw out my back once, just like Phyllis. And it was while I was talking to Christy Brinkley. What? Yeah. Christy Brinkley. How do you throw out your back while talking? Phyllis was dancing. Well, I was backstage. I was doing this game show, and Christy Brinkley was in the waiting room. She was going to be a guest on the next version of the game show, you know, the next episode. Sure, sure. I was just so excited, I mean, to maybe meet Christy Brinkley. Did you run up or something? I threw my arms out in a gesture where I was like, hi, Christy Brinkley! (laughs) And in throwing, just gesturing my arms open... I threw out my back. It was like a pop. It felt like something popped in my back, but I was trying to hold it together because she smiled and she was talking with me. And I don't know if she could see the pain like washing over my eyes and my whole body. And like I said, you know, if Phyllis gets all red, Mm -hmm. I felt hot. Like I felt Mm -hmm. that. And then it just seized up. Like I couldn't even move. They brought the medic in on the game show. Yes, they gave me some ice and some Advil and from there I had to get loaded in a car to go to this movie in Canada with Ben Stiller and Mike White. It was my dream job. My dream job. I'm playing Ben Stiller's wife in a Mike White movie
0: and you couldn't move.
1: I couldn't move. All because you wanted
0: to show Christy Brinkley that I was a excited to gesture. meet her.
1: Hey! Yes. Uh. When I got to the airport, They had to have a wheelchair load me onto the plane. I mean, I really couldn't walk. When I got to Canada, Canada. they had a doctor meet me at my hotel. This is crazy. And the next day, it was a driving scene. My character was supposed to drive, and I couldn't do it. And I was mortified. I was mortified because of course when everybody was like, How did you throw out your back? And you were like, I just made a
0: hugging gesture.
1: Yeah. I and just then, went, hey. And then I seemed like a Looney Tune. Mm. But anyway. You can throw out your back very easily. You can. Just That's ask. A lot Tina. of stories from me today. <laughs> okay. Is this well, what the shower has done to me? Yes. The it shower has opened up my vault of stories. It has.
0: Well, I want you guys to notice while Phyllis is being lowered to the ground by Michael, that black pipe on the wall by the shower does not have any lights on it, but that will change.
1: Oh, it's not lighted now, but it will be. That's right. Michael calls Dwight down to help him get Phyllis back up into the office. Or is it Philip? Is it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He gets a text. He goes, you said said something happened to Philip. And then he looks at Phyllis and goes, did Philip do this to you? (laughs)
1: They are hilarious, the two of them. Well, this is going to start a whole runner where Dwight is going to be tasked with taking care of Phyllis in the conference room. Mm -hmm. They're going to wheel her in there. He's going to shut all the curtains. Yeah. And then there's a huge commotion. He comes out in just his tank top. I love moments like that because we don't know what happened and they are clearly something. Halstead shared that In addition to being tasked with creating a storyline that used the old Michael Scott Paper Company set, they also needed a storyline that they could cut away to. They needed somewhere to go. But that story also had to take place at Dunder Mifflin because we did not have the budget to go anywhere. Right. And we only had four days. So this story of Phyllis throwing out her back and Dwight helping her was the solution. And I love how Scripts and stories sometimes evolve out of that just necessity.
0: Everyone is concerned about Phyllis. There's like moaning sounds coming from the conference room. And Angela has a line to Michael where she says, Can you please go back to work instead of masterminding these situations wherein we hurt ourselves? This line was so hard for me to say. Why? Because I don't speak like that. I don't say stop masterminding situations wherein we hurt ourselves. Yeah. But Angela had a very formal way of speaking. She did. And it was something that was really important to the writers. They carry it through the whole entire series where she has sort of this clipped formality in her voice. Mm -hmm. I'm just pointing it out because I had a hard time saying it.
1: (laughs) To me, a sentence like that is very similar to being a doctor on like a show, but you're not really a doctor and you have to say medical
0: jargon. I'd never make it. Grey's Anatomy, I'd never be able to do it. No. No, Mm -mm. I can't do it. Can't do it.
1: Well, somehow... Aaron and Kelly are going to wind up down in Cafe Disco. Aaron presses play Mm -hmm. on some music, and the ladies start dancing. Yeah. Do you know what this song was? Was it Boyfriend Hangover? Yeah, it's called Boy Hangover.
0: Boy Hangover. Do you know who wrote it? No. Our writer,
1: Lester Lewis. You are kidding me. No. I thought it was so catchy. It's sung by this woman named Bonnie McKee. She's a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. She has written number one hits for Britney Spears, Katy Perry, and Tao Cruz. I thought we should listen to it. Here's Boy Hangover. great is it that Lester wrote the lyrics to that song? It's so good. I loved the song. I thought it was catchy. I downloaded it and now I have it. Oh, This was one of the songs I was listening to, you know, because I like to stay on theme while yeah. working on an episode. Yeah. Well, maybe we should take a break. I want to go eat my yogurt. It's been on my mind. Honey, I know it. I know okay it. With that. I saw you eyeing your snack bag. I know. It's time. It's time. We'll be back <laughs> we'll after, be after back. I eat my yogurt.
0: Listen to this, because this sounds amazing to me. Ready? Okay. In a world that stops for no one, with life dominated by screens, there's still a place filled with endless reasons to put the phone down and pick up life. Doesn't that sound lovely? Where are we talking about? South Dakota.
1: That's where Lee was born! Really? South Dakota! How did I not know that? I don't know.
0: I didn't know he was born in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. He has family there. Well, South Dakota is a great place to vacation and adventure. You can get worlds away from home in the Badlands, find peace among the pines and the Black Hills, and unwind with each bend of the Missouri River.
1: And if you're looking for love, you might find a Lee there. Oh, my gosh. Made a good fella, South Dakota did. From Sioux Falls to Deadwood, you'll find yourself getting lost in a place that brings you closer to the world around you. You can immerse yourself in the creativity of both contemporary and traditional crafts. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time
0: at TravelSouthDakota.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products
1: to time all in one place. Well, we've told you before that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website and it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash office ladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, we are back. My yogurt was great. Yay. And speaking of eating, Michael is eating his lunch alone. Might as well be dinner. That broke my heart. I know. So sad. Michael. Meanwhile, Phyllis is in the conference room. Dwight has started working on her back, and Jim is outside collecting flowers.
0: Yeah, it's very sweet. He's making a little bouquet for Pam. Mm Mm-hmm. Jenna, this is on the side of the writer's building where the warehouse was. So automatically, I was like, is this 3.30 p.m.? Yes. (laughs) Because we learned last week we filmed there at 3.30. Also, you know those flowers weren't there. No. They had planted them just for the scene so that he could then cut them.
1: There have never been flowers there. Mm -mm. Just some weeds, kind of. Yeah. And a giant bug. But that's it. Yeah. And then the big bunch of parrots that we had for a... Small period of time. And that one rooster across the way. But not flowers. But not flowers. <laughs> so they would plant and then replant these flowers so that Jim could collect them. So those were some fakie real flowers. Meanwhile, Cafe Disco is uh, poppin'. hmm Aaron has invited a friend, Ashley.
0: I loved the exchange between Oscar and Aaron when he's like, "What you invited someone? And Aaron's like, yeah, is that not okay? And Oscar's like... I mean, I've worked here eight years and I never, and then they just run off and he goes, rude.
1: <laughs> I just loved it. Ashley doesn't have any lines, but she was played by Alexis Teague and now begins what looks like a dance off. It's full on. It's full on dance off. And yeah. We had a fan question from Gianna W. The dance off runner between Andy and Kelly is so great. I personally think they would have made a good couple. Did the writers ever think of doing that? So I asked Warren about this, and he said the
0: writers room pretty much discussed every possible dating scenario for Kelly. But Andy and Kelly never made it on one of those note cards. And he said, you know what? That would have been great. I wish we would have gone there.
1: I thought they had great chemistry. I did, too. They seem great for each other.
0: (laughs) And I would like you to note at 13 minutes, 54 seconds at the beginning of the dance-off, red chili pepper lights on the black pipe by the shower. Where did those come from? I don't know. Did Aaron and Kelly like start decorating when they went down there? Did Ashley bring them? No, Ashley
1: didn't bring them. (laughs) Were they there? They were there. Oh yeah, Ashley just got there.
0: They weren't there when Phyllis was dancing, but now they're there for the dance-off.
1: And Michael is missing all of it. He's up in the kitchen being a sad sack. But he can hear it. He says, I can still hear the music in my head. Well, Creed is going to exit the bathroom. The men's room. While eating chicken. I really love that detail. Halstead mentioned it was one of the little jokes that he loved as well. He's full on eating a chicken leg. Yeah. Coming out of the restroom. And Creed's like, I hear it too, Michael. Creed says, I hear it too, boss. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hear it too, boss. So Michael's like, oh, my gosh, something's happening. And sure enough, he gets down to the cafe disco and... It's like happening. It's a party. There's a limbo pole. Yeah. And I have questions. Okay. Because it's so great. You see two people walk in and they have to like, yeah, you know, Meredith, limbo under. Yeah. Meredith does a shimmy. Your character walks in and just walks under it. Just straight under it. No problem. Didn't have to bend at all. Who wrote that joke? Well, I
0: asked Warren and Halstead and they both were like, it was Warren. Warren was like, <laughs> Warren was like, yeah, that was me. Well, it's hilarious to me. This is my ex husband's joke because he (laughs) clearly knows I'm a short stack.
1: Well, how did you do it? Did they bring you down and
0: measure you to set the pole? Oh, yeah. They duct taped that pole to the wall, right? That Uh everyone walked under. It's like a broom. It's meant to look like a broom handle, right? And I had to practice walking under it. I, on purpose, this episode, I wear flats. My character never wears flats. My character is always in three inch heels. This entire episode, I had on little tiny flats.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. This
0: is the shoe thing you were mentioning earlier. Yes, I'll put it in stories. I took a screen grab of them. And I did ever so slightly, guys, have to tilt my head, just very tiny. Mm -hmm. But I could walk right under that pole.
1: It was so funny.
0: I'm the person, guys, when your plane lands and everyone stands up and they're waiting and everyone has to duck because the overhead compartments... You know, when you are still at your seat, Mm -hmm. you haven't been able to get in the aisle because there's so many people getting their stuff. Yep. I can stand fully upright under the overhead. That must feel so good. Yeah. I just look at all these people hunched over while they're waiting to get off a plane. I got no problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But don't ask you to get something off the top shelf.
0: No. Why would I put anything on the top
1: shelf? You don't. Mm -mm. The only reason Angela is there is to get some signatures on a piece of paper, and Michael says he's only going to give her one signature per song. Mm -hmm. And Angela, you have this line where you say, I don't like the general spirit of music.
0: My character says, look, I hate to be that person, Mm -hmm. but I just don't like the general spirit of music.
1: Renee from Fargo, North Dakota would like to know who wrote that line, she loves it.
0: So, we asked Warren and Halstead this question, and Warren said it's probably his favorite question because he loves that line too. He shared that he and Halstead were writing together on a short lived show for the WB called Modern Men, starring Jane Seymour and Max Greenfield. And in one of the episodes, one of the guys is trying to break up with his drab girlfriend, played by guest actor Arden Mirren. Oh, I love her. She's hilarious. She's so funny. Warren said she was amazingly funny, and Halstead and Warren had pitched a line that she hates music. And what Arden's character said was, not a fan, like about music. Yeah. And they said that Arden killed it, and it was really funny. And when they went to write this episode, they really could see Angela identifying with that, and they borrowed their own line and added a little tweak.
1: I think it is such an amazing character trait for a person to just be like, I don't get music.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a big music person myself. I know this about you, Jenna, because when we went on our writer's retreat, you were very concentrated on our meal plan. What were we going to be eating? Yes. And I said something like, what about a playlist for the car ride? And you're like, yeah, I don't care.
1: I don't know if this is why, but the car that I drove out to LA, Mm -hmm. it had no air conditioning and no working radio. Oh, my
0: gosh. You were driving in a car with no music on a road trip?
1: Yeah, and I also had this car in college, and my college was three hours from my hometown. And so I would often drive very, very, very long distances in silence. Jenna. <laughs> or I sometimes did bring like an old-fashioned cassette player. And hit play, I and, hope. Yeah, I could play off of that. But I got really conditioned to driving without sound. And now I listen to news or podcasts but I just never kind of got into playlists or oh my music. Gosh. I find it like, I don't know. I do like music. Like, I have whole albums. I, mean, I have Sounds of Scranton, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I use music a lot when I'm formulating a character, which is so interesting. Because if you had to formulate the character of Jenna Fisher, you would, be have, silent. would have no music. You'd have no music but
0: good food. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I love a combo. I love, I love a playlist for a road trip, but then I like to turn it off and talk, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. chatty. My mom always says the best place to talk is in the car. That's and why
1: I love to do school pickup and drop off. I feel like my kids are super chatty.
0: Yeah. Talking about right their day. Right after school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my husband loves a playlist and he makes a playlist for every road trip we take. And it's really cute because the kids now are so connected to it. So we were listening a lot to the Red Hot Chili Peppers when we went up to the mountains in Big Bear. And Jack will say, whenever they come on now, he's like, that's Big Bear.
1: You know, my kids and Lee are very connected to music, and they do the same thing, and we have those same things. Well, like Vampire Weekend for us was
0: like the summer of 2019. That's Vampire Weekend.
1: White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. Love it. We would listen to that song as we were driving up to go skiing in Santa Fe. Oh, yeah. So whenever I hear that song, I just feel the snowy mountain. I'm going to Wichita. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) So good. Oh, can I take us into the conference room with Dwight. And Phyllis. Where he's treating her like livestock? And he's rubbing otter oil into her back. Yeah, and giving her a carrot. I thought for sure this otter oil thing was made up. Is it real? Lady, otter glands Uh can be purchased. Oh, how do they get them? Well, from dead otters. Okay. They take their anal glands. Oh, Lord. And they grind them up Ugh. and they age them and then they preserve them. Who thought of that? Who thought it was like,
0: save that otter's ass? I don't know. There's some stuff in there I need to grind up.
1: You can get one ounce for about eight bucks. On another website, I saw you could get it for six. So if you're in the market, shop around. Well, and what do people use it for? That's what I wanted to know. I guess you use it to lure an otter. Would you lure an wonder, otter with their own anal glands crushed up? Yeah, with the scent of their own anal glands. Why? Exactly. Why am I luring an otter? I guess hunting, but it's just for sport because you don't really use them for anything. You don't use their fur or you don't eat them. You just, I guess, sprinkle their anal glands and oh, then God. kill them. Why? This is horrible. Well, there's a whole market for this sort of like... Surely there's something we don't know. I don't know, but there's like a lot of gland. You can buy a lot of glands of different animals for this purpose of luring them.
0: So basically these animals smell their own...
1: And I guess they think it's another otter and they come out to say hi. Terrible.
0: This is like Bambi all over again for me. I know.
1: And no references to rubbing it into someone's back for an injury. I just want to say if Phyllis went out to the woods, she would be very popular. It'd be like a Snow White moment for her. She would have a lot of otters mm-hmm. coming to say hi.
0: So Dwight and the Shrews could kill them.
1: I guess so. But that is some information I found.
0: I'm confused by all of that information, <laughs> but thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Okay. There is a full-on dance competition happening now.
1: There sure is, and we got mail, from Alexis W. in Australia who said, I have to know if the dance competition between Andy and Kelly was freestyle or scripted. Lady, I went to the script. hmm And guess what? It is fully scripted. I'm going to read you the descriptions. Here is Andy's dance-off description of okay. the script. Andy takes a chair and hops over the back of it turns around, does a Fred Astaire walk over it so that the chair's back falls to the ground. He picks it up, sits on it, and spins on it in a Bob Fosse fashion, flashing jazz hands. He then throws one leg over the back of the chair, gets up, picks up the chair, and pretends that the chair is attacking him and then pretends to be killed by the chair. (laughs) He gets up and eyes Kelly like, try to top that. (laughs) Kelly's description is this. Kelly walks over to the shower area. She pretends to turn on the shower and mimes getting wet and lathering herself with soap. Oh, my. She then walks to the chair, which is next to where Andy stands. She stops at the chair, turns like a runway model, winks at Andy, picks up the chair, and walks back to the shower area with it. She sits down, arches her back a la flash dance, and pretends to be drenched by the shower. She whips her hair around her head in a frenzy... Then Kelly starts crunking. Okay,
0: that's a dance move. She's putting all her best stuff out there.
1: She is. Well, you might notice that the way it is described is not exactly how you end up seeing it in the show. And that is because Randy did hire a choreographer. And the choreographer's job was to interpret the script and then work with the actors to come up with their moves.
0: Randy said our choreographer's name was Mary Ann Kellogg. And she came to us via recommendation from our first AD, Kelly Cantley. Randy said she was absolutely superb and really got this scene. And Warren said they had to use a good choreographer because if the actors had just freestyled the whole time, it would have been impossible to edit. So although Mindy and Ed brought a lot of ideas for what they would do, this was a planned out dance off.
1: Yeah, sort of based loosely on the script. Mm -hmm. It seems, but it morphed. It evolved in this rehearsal process.
0: And Halstead said he definitely remembers them pitching that flash dance moment. Mm -hmm. And that made it in.
1: You know, something else that Randy shared with us was that we were not listening to music during this. They were using what's called a thump track. Again, for editing purposes, they would just have this speaker that would play like the sort of baseline beat of Uh the song so that the actors would be on tempo. But for editing purposes, they put the song on later. I know. So these guys are doing this whole thing. You were there. Was it so crazy? It was so crazy.
0: And also, this is not about the dance-off, but I could always really tell when there was no music when Ellie was dancing. (laughs) Because Ellie just kind of does these jabs and kind of runs in place, like not at all to what the beat of the song was that's playing. (laughs) But there was one little moment in the background. I start to tidy up. Yes. And Michael tells Angela to stop and this cracked me up, Jenna, because I do this in real life. <laughs> I often, at a party at a total stranger's house, will start stacking plates, busting dirty cups, putting napkins in the trash bin,
1: you know? Well, this is where we're similar, because I do the same thing. Yeah. You know, someone did that to me once. Like, I had thrown a party, and one of the moms went around and was, like, tidying kind of near the end. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That just took up, like, 25% of the cleaning, and it was such a nice gesture so now i like to do it too when i leave a party i'll first do a sweep yes and get rid of all the empty cans and glasses and stack the plastic things. cups yes yeah. put stuff by the sink mhm mhm i know i related to angela in that moment but i love how she's like am i not supposed to have any fun yes cuz tidying is fun
0: <laughs> for her we should probably check back in on phyllis
1: yeah Dwight is still trying to work out this kink in her back. And then Phyllis just blurts out, I think Bob's going to cheat on me with his new secretary. And then she starts laughing. And then her back is better.
0: Yeah. And Dwight's like, why are you laughing? And she said, just saying it out loud, it just sounds so ridiculous. And she was able to let all that tension and stress go.
1: We had a fan question from Liz B. in Columbus, Ohio. She said, In this episode, Phyllis mentions that Bob might be having an affair, but then no one mentions it again. Was there more to this storyline that got deleted, either from this episode or future episodes? No. No. We asked Warren and Halstead about this, and they told us that their idea here was just that the cause of her back pain was the stress. And they thought it was a funny way to end this storyline of Dwight trying to heal her. Like, Dwight's treatments weren't the cure. And the dancing wasn't even the problem. Like, right. Like, she was going to throw her back out anyway from just holding on to this little stress. And then she cured herself. And then Dwight had to staple her blouse back together. He did. So now we're about to see Jim and Pam. And Pam's going to come out of the bathroom. So cute. She looked
0: so sweet, Jenna. And your pink dress and your hair up.
1: I have to say something, though. What? Did you notice throughout the whole beginning of this episode that I had this pink dress on underneath my sweater?
0: Well, it looked like a pink sweater with a pink skirt, so I thought it was a good fakie sale. But then that tells me you wore the dress the whole day. Why? Yeah.
1: But why? She went and did her hair all different and put flowers in her hair. Why couldn't she just bring her dress to work? I know. But also, why did she drive to New York to start art school in a pencil skirt? I don't
0: know. Pam's a mystery when she comes to some of her wardrobe choices. She really is.
1: She really, really is. I feel like people in the office would have clocked this strange, poofy bubble skirt coming out of her bottom half. (laughs) I clocked it in the very first scene. Like, I was sitting in my chair and I was like, what is that? You know what I thought it was? I thought I had a blanket. Blanket, because you were cold. Yes, and I was like, oh my gosh, they caught my blanket. (laughs) And I was going to do a blanket catch. Proof of cold. I was like oh no, that's my wardrobe. (laughs) Well, as they're walking out of the office, they hear the music playing and they're like, I think we should pop in. We should go just for a minute before we head to the courthouse.
0: I think Jim says it would mean so much to him. Mm
1: -hmm. Michael is thrilled. Oh my gosh, he's so happy.
0: The whole gang is there. And now everyone is dancing. I mean, except Angela.
1: And Kevin and Lynn, who are making out. Full on make out, which is the (laughs) end of the Kevin Bacon's Runner. We got some mail about the dancing here. We're dancing to YMCA. Mm -hmm. Monica A. and Jennifer P. said, were Jim's dorky dance moves choreographed, or is that John Krasinski's own true style?
0: (laughs) I don't think your (laughs) dance moves were choreographed in the background.
1: (laughs) Sarah Lassen, 89, said, Please address the fact that John Krasinski seems to only have one dance move, jumping up and down. (laughs) He does the same thing in the lip dub cold open of nepotism. Oh, my gosh. I will tell you, John and I met with the choreographer. Did you really? We did. Because we had this discussion, like, what is Jim and Pam's dancing going to be when they get there? And also they say they like cheesy. So what does that mean? Well, we had all these conversations and one of them was, is there any reason why Jim and Pam might be slow dancing to YMCA? Where they're making kind of a wedding moment out of it. We discussed, we were like, I don't think so. I think we need to lean into the kind of like, they like cheesy, Yeah, you know.
0: It's part of the reason they want a big wedding. So they can be dorky with their friends on the dance
1: floor. Yes. And so... The choreographer just was like, well, let's see how you two would do it. (laughs) I'll just remember. I feel like you could hear a pin drop. We're like, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's really pretty much just us. That's just. That's what I thought. and John just. (laughs) I was shocked when you said you met with a choreographer. (laughs) But they liked it. And so the choreographer was like, yeah, just do that. That's good. (laughs) Perfect. That's good. Maybe she was like, I don't even know where to begin. So just do what you're doing. (sighs) Well, I'll say. I loved shooting these dance scenes. I was so happy to finally be down in the disco. But lady, I love a dance party. I know you do. And I will stay on the dance floor the whole time at your wedding. I want to be out on that dance floor. You know, for my 30th birthday, I had a dance party and I danced the whole time. And my 50th is going to be coming up in a few years, and I want a dance party again. You should have a dance party. And I maybe should put on the invitation. Wear comfy shoes. And I may not talk to you because I'm going to be dancing the whole time, and that's what I want for my party. But for my 40th, I was seven months pregnant with my daughter. And so Lee and I just went and had a little baby moon slash birthday So it'll be like 20 years since I had a dance party. Well, I can't wait
0: because I want me, you, and Oscar to recreate what we did for years,
1: which was we did All the Single Ladies by Beyonce. The three of us. I want All the Single Ladies. I want Sexy back. I want Gold Digger. I want some Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. I want them all. I just rewatched my wedding video because for
0: my anniversary this year, my husband finally edited together all the footage from our wedding. Really? Yes. He said it took him a year Oh, because he just had to work on it a little bit at a time. It's almost 30 minutes, and we sat down with the kids and watched it. And it was so fun to see all of us dancing, Jenna. I mean, there were so many elements that were great, Mm -hmm. but it just warmed my heart. Like, there you are on the dance floor. We're, like, dancing our hearts out. It's just so great. Well, I want it. You're going to have it. You're going to have a dance party. Okay, good. We painted hummingbirds for my 50th, and by God, we're going to dance on your 50th. Good.
1: Yay. (laughs) I'm going to make sure it happens. Well, there's one person who refuses to dance in Cafe Disco, and that is Angela. But, but she's going to sway her foot a little bit to the music. She's going to tap her finger. Yeah. And Halstead shared that this whole storyline – of Michael starting a cafe disco was always going to end with this moment.
0: I did not know that.
1: He said that their litmus test for whether or not Michael could pull off his cafe disco dream was Angela. Because she thought that hanging out at a disco all day was completely unacceptable. She was the lone holdout through most of the show. And Michael, if you notice, keeps checking in with her, checking in with her, trying to engage her. So in the end... That little tap and that little foot sway, that is Michael's victory. That's his big win. And Warren shared, by the way, that in his mind, he thought that this moment actually is the beginning of an evolution for the character of Angela. That this moment that shows how severe and closed off her character can be, but it's a baby step toward her maybe opening up to new possibilities. Ooh, I like that. So this moment was very rich in their outline in their writing of this episode.
0: And very thought out. Mm -hmm. Well, I went to the script. I wanted to see what was in the shooting draft for this moment. There was a Michael voiceover. Here's what it says in the script. Michael sits with Angela. He looks around the room and takes in all of the dancing couples, Jim and Pam, Phyllis and Bob, Kelly and Andy, and Kevin and Lynn, who are furiously making out. Michael notices Angela is tapping her foot to the music and he smiles to himself. And this is the voiceover that would then play. They needed me. I left. I will never let them down again. I will always be there for them. I will be at every important moment of their lives, their births, their deaths, their babies, other hospital stuff, no matter where or whether they want me there or not.
1: For them. That actually made me get a little choked up. I know, isn't that so sweet? I really wish that had been in.
0: I know, I thought that was really sweet. One other thing I wanna share is that when we were filming in Cafe Disco and trying to figure out this moment of how Michael would see my foot swaying, my finger tapping, we shot just a quick little tag that didn't make it in. And everyone has left Cafe Disco and only Angela Martin is in there cleaning (laughs) and Michael walks by, and she is dancing as she cleans.
1: Why do I remember this?
0: We just shot it really quickly, and just as an alt, just in case.
1: Yeah, like you actually respond to the music when everybody's left. Everyone's left. But it's still that victory. He still got you.
0: Yeah, but that didn't make it in. It's not in the shooting draft. It's not in deleted scenes, but that was an alt that they shot.
1: I wonder if we were all like waiting in the hallway while you did that or something because I have such a memory of it. It was
0: really quick. We just sort of grabbed it in the moment. But of course, the actual tag that made it in, which is so great, is Kelly piercing Andy's ear in the restroom.
1: (laughs) This really lends itself to that idea that they could be a couple. I know. Because this is a very cute couply thing.
0: It is. And Halstead said that they actually did a take where Mindy... As Kelly fully pierces Andy's ear, and it was painful and bloody. Oh my God. And a mess, but they cut it for time.
1: <laughs> well, that's it, guys. That's Cafe Disco.
0: It is. And it was so fun. I loved rewatching this. Thank you so much to Warren Lieberstein and Halstead Sullivan, Randy Cordray for giving us all kinds of fun behind the scenes details.
1: And, Lady, before we go, you know how at the beginning of the episodes we always say, like, when do you listen? Where do you listen? You always say good morning. And then you remember that people might not listen in the morning. (laughs) Yes. Well, we got a letter from Katie C., who is 14 years old, lives in the U.K., and she said, I listen to Office Ladies whilst delivering newspapers every day, and it makes it so much more fun. When it's raining or way too warm, for my ginger jeans, I know I have the podcast to keep me going, and I never give up. I
0: love that. Well, hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Good luck today on your paper route. Be safe. And Jenna and I are sending you big
1: hugs. Thanks for listening to Office Ladies. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico.
0: Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's
1: only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars.
1: Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Auto-trader.